The Vampire and Lycan clans had been at war for centuries before I was born. Their endless conflict hidden from the human world. I was turned by a vampire and given the strength to avenge my family against the Lycans, and I was good at it. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's Underworld Retrospective Series. The Selene goes, trouble surely follows. Hosted by Arnie. Information is power, and I collect it. With a passion. Jacob. I know exactly what you are. And Stuart. He's too powerful for you alone. But be warned, this episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. The sun will burn you to ashes out there, or you can die with some grace in here. We hope you enjoy the show. Show me what you have. Yes, sir. Today we're discussing Underworld Evolution. Isn't that also a subtitle of a Resident Evil? Mm, yes. Who knows? All these movies hate putting numbers, so I don't know what order to watch them in. <laughs> Starring Kate Beckinsale, Scott Speedman, Tony Curran, Shane Broly, and Bill Nighy. Directed by Len Wiseman. This is the now playing co-host who cannot control his savagery, Arnie. And Stuart. And this is the co-host who's come to deal some death. Jacob. You're just laying it on that line, aren't you? I Until they give me a memorable line in this franchise, I'm just going with that every time. <laughs> it's wow. odd Underworld to give me a better line. Now, there's not going to be a whole lot that's different between this one and the last one. We still have Lynn Wiseman directing. We still have stuntman Danny McBride writing. We still have Kate Beckinsale coming in to star in it. But she is now doing so as the wife of Lynn Wiseman, and she did say that this was the first experience she had where she heard the idea for a movie and watched it blossom into a finished experience, which just goes to prove that Lynn Wiseman did not have it all worked out in 2003 when he made the first one. What? I say in mock shock. But Len Wiseman said the first movie was just half the script he wrote, and that the second movie is just being able to complete his vision for that first film. That it's a tight duology. Yeah, they, they just had to invent on the spot. Oh no, this is a hit. We need a video game? Apparently this had a PlayStation 2 released only in Europe. They rushed out Eternal War the next year. I couldn't get a copy, but I did watch the walkthrough on YouTube. And I gotta say, as someone that stopped playing video games in 1992, the graphics were great for Sega Genesis, but I'd have to believe you'd be really mad. It doesn't look anything like the movie. The weird thing is you'd think you'd be in castles and have all this gothic stuff. You're like on green grass and stuff running around. And you can either play as a lichen or a vampire. You can be Selene or you can be Rays. But you just kind of run around on missions. And it's just kind of like a Doom or a Quake or one of those run around shooting kind of things that I don't even like. But very simplistic graphics. Not a whole lot of plot. Not even a whole lot of cutscenes. So not what I'd want. But they got it out. They rushed it out. 
And yeah, Kate Beckinsale is making like ripoffs of herself. Like I feel like Van Helsing has got to be Underworld <laughs> 2 before Underworld <laughs> 2 came out. I remember that being slightly more enjoyable than this one. We may cover it one day, so I'll, I'll hold all opinions. But yeah, she, her career shifted. She was no longer getting the Kate Winslet parts. Suddenly she's in torture porn like Vacancy. She's in Adam Sandler comedies like Click. She's trying to be mainstream. I guess that's the influence of being with a Hollywood guy who is getting a bigger budget this time. They had $22 million to make that first one. They double it for this one. And they don't double their profits. I have seen it before. I, I assume you guys have not. Nope, I saw that first one and thought I'd never come back to this franchise. Yeah, I hadn't seen it either. I saw the first one and I knew they kept making them. And in fact, in the teens, when I kept seeing trailers, I'm like, wow, how many have they made? <laughs> but I've yes. never seen them. I, like you, thought I would never go back. But when I moved to Los Angeles, I've already mentioned on the Harry Potter shows that when the fourth movie came out, I was in a roommate situation that was perilous and I needed to find a friend. And so I agreed to see a Harry Potter movie, having seen none of the ones before, just so that my roommate would like me and side with me against the other one. And after I firmly got into the the living situation, I'm like, ooh, I'm here. Let's go see a movie to celebrate. What do you want to see? Same roommate wanted to see Underworld Evolution. He was a big Harry Potter fan, and he was a huge fan of the first film. And I was like, oh, I already saw that one. You don't need to show that one to me. But I agreed to go to the theater and see this sequel. If that roommate ends up being rich i hope they leave something to you in their will like you really bit a couple bullets <laughs> they moved out about three months later so i never oh, went man. to another movie with them again <laughs> but it was interesting to go with a fan i wanted to say that again in both experiences i was in a space where i saw positive reactions to something that i don't want and i'm already on record the idea of vampires and werewolves in love is not a concept i want to explore except maybe as a comedy so to have seen his reaction I'll just go ahead and put it forward. Even though I walked out saying, well, that was better, right? He went, no, they ruined it. They took out all the magic. All that was magical about the first one was gone. Michael Sheen? Like, what's the magic? <laughs> I don't know what's missing from this one that was in that last one that worked. We can talk about how it's different. I do feel like this one has some differences. So maybe that is explaining the absence of the magic. Arnie, why don't you give him the plot? And once again, good luck, Arnie. Picking up immediately where the last film left off, vampire death dealer Celine is on the run with her half-vampire, half-werewolf Romeo, Michael Corvus. As for Serene's former boss Craven, he has to return to Vampire HQ and awaken the final surviving elder, Marcus. Marcus was the first vampire in history, and he's not pleased with the way Craven has betrayed the coven, so he beheads the vampire. See... Marcus was the first vampire because he was an immortal man who got bitten by a bat. His twin brother, William, was the first werewolf, an immortal man bitten by a wolf. Don't you wish they were bitten by, like, slugs or something? Like, this could be fun. <laughs> like, get, get the whole family involved. A wombat. Mm. Honey badger. Those are mean. Yeah, they are. One of those short-nosed whatever knuckles is that you didn't believe was a real animal. <laughs> Echidna? Yeah, echidna. Yeah, one gets bit by a hedgehog, one by echidna. Sonic, go! Yes, let's do this. Both were sons of Alexander Corvinus, 
an immortal man who's trying to keep tabs on his boys. Michael Corvus is a descendant of that bloodline, which is why he was able to become the first werewolf-human-super-being hybrid. Marcus, now awakened, wants to rescue his brother so they can rule the planet, but his brother, William, was punished with eternal captivity. To free William, Marcus needs two things. The first is the key to open William's tomb, and the second is to know where that tomb is, which is only known by Selene as it was her father who built William's prison. So Marcus attacks his father Alexander to get the key, and drinks Selene's blood to find the secret location where William is kept. So with those two elements, Marcus goes to free William. A dying Alexander has Selene drink his blood, so she becomes... Some kind of super vampire, I guess. Mm. It's not really defined, but she seems stronger now. And she's no longer burned by the sun. But she doesn't sparkle in the sun. Celine and Michael, aided by some of Alexander's troops, go to stop Marcus. Marcus frees William, but Michael rips William's head off while Celine pushes Marcus into a helicopter rotor, killing both immortals. And now Celine and Michael are together, unhunted, in love? As credits roll. <laughs> mm. I, I got a question about your plot summary. You said this picks up right after the events of the first film. I thought it was 200 years later because now they say eight centuries ago this war started with the Lycans. Last film, it was 600 years ago. What's going on? No, no, no. Last film, Celine said she'd been hunting them for 600 years. And now we find out the war has only been going on for 800 years, so she enlisted early. Like, the war had only 200 years young when Celine got involved. I mean, we're now getting into, a, like, a game of telephone here. What I heard the movie say last time was it was a thousand-year war, but at the 600-year mark, that was when Craven pulled his little switchimaru. I don't know. I'm happy to go with whatever number anyone wants to supply. Apparently the number is 1202 AD. That's where we're going. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with the prequel number. Doesn't that seem kind of recent? I mean, not to get blithe, but that seems like yesterday when dealing with immortals. If dealing with immortals, I would think we're in BC. I think we're in Rome. I think we're in really ancient history, not in the 13th century. <laughs> Now, they're filming this in Vancouver, but they're going to try and make it seem like it's still Hungary. And this is important because this is where all the, I mean, again, Romania, I mean, there is a Dracula connection to this region of the world. So, yes, they're trying to say that historically speaking, we get in this flashback here. The one elder we didn't meet last time is the true vampire, Marcus. And yes, we see him riding in here, the opening scenes. He is the OG who sees a village has been wiped out by his twin brother, the werewolf, William, and has to start chopping heads and burning people because they're coming back werewolfy. Okay, their dad was an immortal, and then they got bit so that like mutated the immortal gene was he bit by something to become an immortal like i just assumed like he got bit by a vampire bat and then had two like perfect sons and they went different directions or something but he was already an immortal whatever that means i don't understand what's going on with the hungarian <laughs> yes alexander corvinius why he's special the fact that they had two sons that got bit by wolves and bats and made vampires and lichen take 
better care of your son. Someone call Child Protective Services. They're just getting bit by animals. <laughs> right. I, right. For one thing, do a better job with parenting. <laughs> and two, yeah, if you're immortal, you got time for that shit, right? You can, you can stay home, work from home, and make sure your children aren't being attacked by wild animals and turning into undead creatures. But I don't get it. I don't get it. I'll never get it. We will find out that, yes, there is an immortal man riding around in a cargo ship, not helping his sons as they tear up the world. But what is he doing? He's just cleaning up after his sons because he can't kill them. Yeah, we will see that he has SWAT teams that ride in and hide bodies and blow up things and basically try to keep from human beings the idea that vampires and werewolves are real things. And this really is funny because I listened to the commentaries and on the first film, Len Wiseman said during one of the scenes when some troops came in, he goes, yeah, I'm not quite sure if those were lichens or those were vampires, but we just needed to remind everybody there's a war. (laughs) And now he's completely retconned all of it was Alexander's people. Mm -hmm. And again, retconning is fine when you didn't get it right the first time. When you love the first one and it's perfect, it makes you mad when you find out about midichlorians. But if if they want to try and fix Underworld, go at it. Here, take it away. I like this scene. This is a good scene when we see Marcus riding in with Bill Nighy, God bless him, put on a suit of armor and got (laughs) on a horse with that other chick that died on a train, Amelia. And there are the three elders trying to take out these werewolf people. Here's the thing with this opening scene. And look, sometimes I'll get a disc and and for legal reasons, let's say this was like 10 years ago, Statue of Limitations, and I'll rip the movie from that disc and just keep it on my hard drive for whenever we get around to it. And so I use the VLC app to watch it. And with that, you can change the speed of a film. You can make it go faster or slower, which I do do sometimes if it's real boring and like, let's just get through this. Did you cheat and watch this on fast forward? No, that I do not cheat on now playing movies. Okay. And I'm watching this though and like some of this action is just going way too fast like the transformations are happening super fast i had to go check the speed i'm like am i on a one and a half speed or are they just speeding up the footage they're like we got to make this one shorter it can't be two hours like and it's not consistent but like with this opening action scene like every once in a while the footage just goes too fast like 1.25 speed it kept throwing me off 45 million, not 145 million. There are improvements to the technical elements of the film. They're able to shoot more, I feel like, on location and less on green screens. But yes, this is still a relatively low-budget movie for this kind of spectacle. And you can see the seams. But I kind of, again, I, are you not with me? This is not an entertaining scene. When- I actually like that it's like a period piece. Like yeah. you said that third one is a prequel. So maybe I will like that if we're going back to the 1200s. I don't know. It's a different environment. I didn't like the drab gray cityscape for two hours last time. So yeah, to, to have a change of scenery is fun. I'm going to go the other way. I feel like you're wasting my time. I knew I wasn't watching a period piece. And so all of this backstory felt to me like acted out lore. I was happy to see Bill Nighy back because since he got his head cut in half last film, I figured he was gone. I was very happy to see him return, but I do feel like this is kind of biding time before we get back to the Matrix. But Arnie, this going back in time here is going to set up a very important theme for this film, which is flashbacks. 
because we're going to get a whole lot of flashbacks throughout this. So why not start with one? Yeah, they did flashbacks in the original, too. You bit someone on the neck and drank their blood and you were seeing their whole life story. There's a whole lot more here. Like, I feel, again, maybe you don't get walls of dialogue this time, but you're going to get a lot of flashbacks, a lot of oranges and sienna shaded scenes. Yes. And I feel like they've done a lot here in the beginning to help people that did not see the first movie. I mean, they're hoping by giving that rolling scroll at the beginning and having this intro again yeah retconning things they're hoping to get it right this time and they're hoping maybe you don't remember too many of the details last time you can go along with the changes and just ride what they're telling us now which is that yes marcus is the vampire his brother is the white werewolf and they're being mean to him like victor has him harpooned and dragged away with the idea that his brother will never see the light of day again Isn't it weird that Victor's in charge when Marcus is the first vampire? So theoretically, Marcus bit somebody who bit Victor. I would think Marcus, especially since we're going to find out he can, like, turn into some weird winged gargoyle, that he would be the one giving orders. But he seems to really take a lot of orders from Victor because Victor made a deal that I'll give you my army if... I guess you work for me. Yeah, this this is where they have to retcon stuff, but so it makes sense with the last film. Yeah, yeah. Victor was on his deathbed, we'll see later, and was changed because a vampire needs an army in order to find his werewolf brother. Okay, I've never been in that situation. Maybe I would need an army for it. I'm just saying, and I'll say it one more time, I was pleasantly surprised at this opening scene. It's much more of a grabber than all that nonsense in the Hungarian subway station in the first movie, and not as much voiceover. I think you would care a little bit more. I think you would be a little bit more hooked into this battle between lichens and vampires. I get more into it once we get back to the main movie, and I realize that it is picking up exactly from the last one, and I'll say in advance, probably my overall review is that these two movies work better together than either one does separately. And so when I realize we're picking up kind of from that confusing place where we left off and Craven is still heading up the vampires and Celine and Michael are on the run, I'm actually in a good place with that. Oh, I'll tell you where I'm really in a good place. What a great note to give right off the top. Let's kill Craven. Let's get him out of this goddamn movie. <laughs> he was so bad in the last movie. We do not want him coming back for any sequels or anything else. We don't want to make an action figure if we're asked to. Just take him out here. I love that his one and only scene is to wander into the tomb room, find out that Marcus is mad, and he drank all the blood of the werewolf doctor. It seeped down in there. So he knows the whole plot of the first movie. You don't have to... I already <laughs> know you were working with lichens, and I don't liken that. So I'm just going to fucking tear off your head. This is great. Yeah, and I do like Marcus. He's got like this bat form that he takes. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, one of the things with vampires, they can switch forms, turn into a bat, fly around. Here he is like a giant gargoyle bat, and this is the kind of fun I want. I'm I'm not going to say it's great, but they're going in the right direction for me. 
It's good. I when I see that wing expand, like Jeepers Creepers wishes it had this. It's cool. It works for a B movie. Uh, again, the best villain they've had is Tony Curran blowing in here as Marcus. Although what we're told when we get back to Celine and Michael is that they want to come rescue him. They want to wake him up because they think he'll be an ally. That's why she leaves Speedman at this safe house in the forest is that she wants to go talk to this vampire. Yeah, a safe house where all the safe houses are connected on the same server. Like, that seems really easy. Like, it's got a f- one fail point, which doesn't seem like a safe house. But mm. are they also in Russia? Like, at one point, Michael's going to, like, walk into some tavern. And I think they're speaking Russia. And I just assumed, like, this in the United States, because they're all speaking English. Definitely has that Eastern Bloc vibe. I mean, they got subtitles because they're speaking another language. In the cut scene that we found in the director's cut of the last film, Michael did confess that he left America after the death of his wife in a car accident. So we are supposed to be somewhere in the Eastern Bloc, I take it. I, it sounded like they're speaking Russian to me, but I can't tell my Russian from my Hungarian from a lot of various dialects over there. So, And neither can they. Again, this is not a culturally sensitive, we work this all out thing. It's except Euro trash Zoolander world where, <laughs> yes, the human beings are boobs and backwards and they don't know that they're vampires here. So when Michael decides he's not going to drink the blood that Celine left him with, but head off to the tavern, we can have a funny scene of him trying to eat human food and getting into a bar brawl. Food fight. And he's trying to eat human food because he doesn't believe he needs to drink blood. And Celine says, if you eat human food, it could kill you. So we get the wonderful scene of him retching and puking at a table. That's what I wanted in my vampire film. I will say, watch what we do in the shadows, either the movie or the television show. They have a lot of fun with vampires trying to eat human food and what happens. Much more enjoyable than this. Yeah, you may not want to see Scott Speedman's food, what he ate, but like I feel like this is one of his better scenes in the entire <laughs> franchise, so don't take it away from him. Like He gets in trouble with the locals, and now it's caused a big scene that's going to bring everyone here. It's going to bring Celine back, it's going to bring Marcus to him, and we're going to find out that this, is, this Alexander Corvinius guy is riding around with his SWAT teams. They've been picking up the bodies. They actually dragged Victor back to the ship so they could extract something. We'll find out that it's a key later. It looks like a heart plug. Yeah, we see Amelia in that morgue or whatever where he's cutting open Victor's chest. I'm like, oh, so she really was important. They're going to like resurrect her or something. Because why would they keep showing her? Like she did nothing in the last one. And like, here she is again. I guess if you're a continuity nerd, you're glad to see her on that slab. Yeah, again, they're all about cleanup. If they're a vampire or a werewolf, we take the body and we hide it and we cover everything up. But there's something particularly important about Victor. We'll find out that he has this key in side of him and alexander wanted it and now he's picking up from the local police chatter that he should head to this bar and yeah that makes a good sort of coming together of all the forces in this movie yeah it's a much more simple film than last time and that's better for it it has taken away a lot of the hierarchy it's taken away a lot of the politicking and it's become kind of simple on its face. I mean, you say simple in that I I understand the broad strokes with Marcus and William, the brothers. Like, again, 
why does their dad have immortality? We're going to find they're going to change everything we knew about Selena's backstory. I feel like it's kind of muddled still, but yeah, you're not going to get walls of exposition in this one. But you're going to get a lot of flashbacks, though. And that may be the magic that's missing. When I talk about my roommate that was like, oh, this is not the same. Yeah, all that aristocracy, all that like lounging around and acting haughty and trying to keep track of all the names for people that like that they're not going to get that it's very clear cut that there's all these factions and it's another game of chase scott speedman but this time i really think there's a good chase here i mean i think this moment where the winged marcus is ramming the truck that they just carjacked against the side of the mountain this is probably the best scene in either underworld i've i've seen Sure, I just, again, it's a lot of just shooting guns, and I don't know, this is a vampire, like, use those light bullets, like, they'll call out, like, we, like at the end of this film, they're like, we only have these UV rounds, they never use them, like, to me, what the, the fun would be is all this weird technology you'd have to invent to kill mythical creatures, and it doesn't seem to want to lean into that at all, again, fun is not a word you use with Underworld, apparently. Yeah, I agree that this is... You don't even have to be making fun of it. You don't have to be self-aware fun. You could just have a couple of moments here that are cool in a way different than they want to be. It's like there's so much leather around here. What I got in my head was Fonzie. And like Fonzie couldn't crack a smile and couldn't really get excited. You could just go... And that's kind of them. But it would be nice to see them kind of shirk the cool image a little bit and go for something else. Yeah, have Celine jump over some sharks on water skis. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) I get your point. And it seems to be a problem with the creative forces at the helm of this. They do not want us to giggle ever. And it's to the movie's disappointment that we're never encouraged to laugh at some of this absurdity. They really ought to understand how silly they look sometimes. But, you know what, again, I think you can give the movie its little moments. I'm happy to say everything that I'm having here in the first half hour is better than anything I got last movie. And that should be acknowledged. I'll agree with that. It just, it's streamlined, it's cleaner. I know who my good guys and bad guys are. The bad guy has a much cooler look to him. This is so much better a makeup job and design for a super baddie than Bill Nighy that I'm going with this more. And I don't know if it's more romantic, but at least we get to see some knocking boots. Celine is, the sun is coming up. Celine needs to go into some factory for the daytime. And boy, is this overkill. He's like throwing a tarp over the thing. And then he's opening up all the cans of paint and coating the windows. And then he like moves her into like a storage locker. I'm like, God damn. There are more efficient ways to paint than throwing paint on the wall like that. Yes! <laughs> you know, if you actually wanted to cover the window, just grab a roller and it'll be done in about five minutes. He's putting more paint on the floor than he is on the wa- walls. Yeah, it's a real, real hot mess. But anyway, at once he finally gets done and is trying to treat her sunburns, we see that her skin turns back to nice, taut Kate Beckinsale, and we get a sex scene. First time that we really feel like they're they're having any chemistry. Yeah, he peels off that pleather. Can't imagine the odor if, the, if <laughs> this was in the real world. But but yeah, like that last one was rated R. I don't know. Maybe there's some F words that just didn't register with me. Didn't seem, well, I mean, there's blood, I guess. But yeah, this one, we do get that sex scene. Like in, in the other one, you only got it in the unrated cut. Yeah, this was kind of 
much, especially since Kate Beckinsale said that she'd finished doing nude scenes before she started going mainstream with, like, this series. Well, technically, she's not nude. They make sure not to show a nipple that's very well blocked, but it's still quite a lot of skin. Yeah, it feels like this is the influence of, of Lynn on her. Like, she would have never done this. Certainly, if Underworld had failed, she would have never done this kind of movie again. But because she's been encouraged, she had her biggest hit, probably ever, with Underworld. She's willing to take more of these chances and show a different side of herself. More than Click? I thought Click made more. I don't know if that was a star vehicle for her, though. <laughs> I Yeah, I feel like she mostly played the wife and the girlfriend in all her future movies. Yeah, Click made $250 million, but she was the wife. I, I, yeah, I'm talking about for her, <laughs> this is the most identifiable movie franchise. This is the most, this is as big as she got. Not Pearl Harbor, not the other bigger, more expensive movies. This is her show. This is what features her the best. And she's having memories of childhood. Like, you're right. We got flashbacks, and they are of a little Celine. This is actually her daughter with Michael Sheen. We mentioned we saw her as uh, Nicolas Cage's daughter and the unbearable weight of massive talent. Here's little Celine drawing chalk drawings on a strange location that will be the thing that everyone wants to get to. Somewhere there is a prison for this werewolf William, and Celine's dad built it at this place while she played. I'll just say this. This is setting up something for me that ends up being a big surprise later because I assume from the backstory, the last one, and then these flashbacks of her as a little girl that Victor took her as a little girl, and I guess she grew up somehow as a vampire. You're supposed to not age, but whatever. Mm -mm. Like, I could go with that, but that's... No, she's going to get bit much later on, apparently. Yeah, she's supposed to have been bit when she was 19. Now, I think Kate Beckinsale was about 33 when they're making this film, but... She is not 19 there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to just go with We're it. supposed to believe she's 19. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. Sure, Kate. She looks youthful. Well, just put it that way. She looks good. She's objectified and she can still pull it off. So, all right. I don't get too hung up on the numbers. So where is this location? Here's the confusing part. She was a little child, so she's not supposed to know, but somehow her memories still have the data in there. And so if Marcus bites her, he'll be able to know from her blood where the location is. Yeah, her dad was hired to make this chamber for the werewolf. And like, did she know what he was doing? I mean, they're humans. They're not even supposed to know there are werewolves in life. Yeah. So... I imagine they just thought they were making a fun, maybe like a Euro Disney or something. I don't know what they thought they were making. Well, maybe a medieval prison, but since this was the first werewolf, I mean, obviously they couldn't have been too into it. And she was just like, take your daughter to work day. I don't think she knew what he was doing. She was just hanging around work, stealing keys. Yeah, medieval times, you just hung out in the mines with your dad and drew on the wall. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to have a memory of something that you didn't know. But that's what we're to understand, is that she knew, even if she didn't know, the information is buried there. And so I guess Marcus is really trying to get a bite out of Celine here. She's trying to figure out where this prison might be. And so she goes to visit the vampire historian who's having a three-way. A vampire historian who's also an outcast that she outcast? And he keeps werewolves, and we're also told that vampires weren't supposed to study history, but yeah, they have a historian here. But that's why he's an outcast, maybe? 
But again, th- th- this is fine if you want to like imply a backstory and then like later tell us what happened here. But yeah, they're they're acting like there's this great like oh this will be something when they finally get together. I have no idea why she put him here, but it, it ends up not being too much of anything. The actor is kind of flat in the role. I guess it's kind of funny that he's in a three way, but other than that, this just becomes a data dump. This is the closest they get to having humor in the film. Is with Tannis. Well, I do like Celine's line that banishment is more comfortable than I'd remembered. And yeah, here's where you definitely get your R rating. And the thing is, at this point, we're about halfway through the movie, fortunately. And it has been pretty go, go, go. And when we get here... I'm like, oh boy, it's finally time for our exposition scene. He is going to reveal this whole backstory, but it's only about five minutes or so. No, but act two is slow. I I was complimenting the first 30 minutes of this movie, and I do feel once they're on their quest, there is something that's a little bit more labored, a little less fun. Uh, maybe some of it's that they haven't improved the lichen suits too much. So when she's down in the tunnels, stabbing them and what have you, it's not really a, a good fight. Not a good fight in the same way as the flying bat guy hitting the truck is. I do kind of like, we'll see Michael when he, I would say vamp out or lichens out, but he's doing both and he's like ripping their jaws off. Like that, yes. he'll do that later on too. Like there, there are little things like that are fun. Yes. Yes. Ripping the jaw off my enemy feels like a Mortal Kombat move. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this is where she learns. Well, she learns a couple things. First, they're asking about this medallion. And when did this become a thing? I remember that Lucian had a medallion last movie. And they're now trying to retcon that he was there when the dad built the prison. And that's a key to the prison that he gave to the Lycan. Yeah, Victor and Lucian both had keys to the Lycan, even though there's like no relationship. I guess that's the safeguard is that Marcus can't go get him at any time. Right, because Marcus is a vampire and Lucian is a werewolf. If Lucian has the key, then Marcus can never free his brother, I guess. And then the other medallion is, uh, it's like you made a spare key and the dad gave it to Celine and she gave it to... The dad gets the key that was inside Victor, right? We see that where he cuts him open and takes something out of his chest. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet, but why would Bill Nighy put anything inside of his body? Like, I don't get that. Because that way he wouldn't lose it. That's what they say is he kept it with him at all time. <laughs> is that what I should do with my keys? <laughs> Just, like, insert, like, a pouch? That's very Cronenbergian. Yeah, keep your keys in your chest. Now I'm just picturing you with your key fob to your car, where you go and you have to like push your nipple to unlock it, and mm. the other nipple's the alarm. <laughs> there are days when I would wish for it. I'll just put it that way. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Okay, so this is a very bizarre, not very uh, enjoyable idea that everything is about medallion keys. And so... They have one, they need to find the other, and Marcus is playing catch-up. He's flying around drinking horses in stables and showing up late and attacking Tannis for the fact that he knows the other key is with Alexander. And Marcus is doing the thing that you wanted all the vampires to do. He's just like just sucking Tannis's blood to get that flashback information. Like he he will just get it all through sucking blood like you wanted. Right. Yes. And the historian does not know where the prison is, but he does know where the guy that knows where the prison is. And so everyone's going to this ship, which again, they're 
I guess they're not trying to, to meet up with these people. They're just cleaning up their mess. It's, uh, you wish this were calibrated better. The beginning was a reason to hope, but now I feel like the screenwriter, the director, they're all stumbling into the problems they had last movie with plotting. And I'm not really sure why people are running to and fro. It kind of gets better, though, when they get to Alexander. I don't know why Alexander's immortal, right? They never Mm -mm. tell us that. No. But he's an immortal who had two immortal sons. I thought the sons were immortal because they were became werewolves and vampires, but no, apparently they're all Highlanders, and so <laughs> he's immortal, and he doesn't look ancient. You know, he, he looks rather modern. Derek Jacoby's pretty old, but I mean, he's, a, he's about the equivalent of Bill Nighy. He has the same kind of rep of, probably even a little bit better. I'll be honest, Derek Jacoby has done a little bit more uh, notable BBC than Bill Nighy, in my opinion. I'll agree, though, with Arnie, is I feel like Bill Nighy, Victor, like he feels ancient. This He just feels like an old guy, but not ancient. Agreed. He doesn't feel like a person out of time. His beard looks like a modern cut. His hairstyle's modern. He's moving pretty well. He's talking without any weird accents. And so he seems rather normal in the middle of this. Like he's kept up, you know, like you could probably talk the latest music with him, the latest Slipknot (laughs) song or something. Mm -hmm. But when we get here... It at least, again, makes it very clear what the stakes are and what it was we were seeing in that prologue scene, is that the twins, the werewolf, the reason they didn't just kill him is there was a fear that if you killed him, all werewolves would die, and so they just had to put him in captivity forever. That's right. And same thing with vampires. The vampires, Marcus being the original, if you kill Marcus, all the vampires die. And that is something that comes from the lore out there in pop culture. So, again, trying to look at these two is what are they saying about vampires and werewolves? What are they changing to make convenient for storytelling? And when are they playing by the rules? Like, yeah, I want to call them out. Like, that is a thing. Yeah. So they go to this boat and they find out this. Yeah, he has a, a, an alternate name. Doesn't really matter. But he goes by Lorenz Mercaro. But he's really Alexander the Immortal. And rather than explaining how he got to be that way, Marcus just kind of busts in and basically feels like he kills Michael. He impales him. He really wounds him. Celine's not even going to be able to revive him with her own blood. And she's crying a lot. And we realize that that this is bad news for Scott Speedman. No sequel for you. And he kills his own father. We find out what his real plot is. When he gets his brother free, they're going to create a new race with Marcus as the god, and because gods don't have fathers, and because he's really mad at Derek Jacoby for riding around on a boat and doing nothing for him, he just kills him here with a sword. Except he's immortal, so is he really dying? It seems like his people could heal him. Like, they say, let's go get the med kit, and he's like, no, no, let let me die. <laughs> well, he does set like, off a, an explosion at the yeah. end. I think even if you're immortal, if, you're, if your atoms are scattered all over creation, uh, what's the point of living if you can't be a, a single being? So yeah, he basically, his dying act is to allow Celine to drink his blood. And because we don't understand him, we don't understand what that means for Celine. But she says, what will I become? And he says, the future. I took it that Alexander was 
a hybrid already. That's why he was so powerful. And then his like son split because they're not going to tell us anything. So at this point, I did think Celine was a hybrid as well. I thought she yes. was going to like wolf out at some point. I, I kind of agree with that. It feels like whatever she is, you couldn't call her a vampire anymore. And so it's weird that there's a battle, right? Why are she and Marcus fighting? They should all be wanting to have hybrids. Yeah, just we're all coming together. Again, that free love lichen thing, like let's make hybrids that are totally stronger. Why not? If he hadn't hurt Scott Speedman, she could probably get on board with that. But because Michael is almost dead, I think that's why she says, okay, because he drank my blood, he knows where the climax is and will follow him there, even though it's my memory damn it. <laughs> I should know where this prison is. And we get, yeah, some kind of battle. Help me out. So Alexander is dead. His men are what? They, at some point, will wolf out and they feel like they're kind of lichen or maybe they're hybrids. They're, at some point, they're helping her and then at another point, they're attacking her. I didn't think they attacked her. I thought lichens were attacking, but I didn't think they were Alexander's men. I thought Alexander's men were just some goons. Yeah, there's lichens attacking, but I feel like Alexander's men, I don't know, know if they're anything. No, they are his men. What happens is, I'll walk you through it. So they're walking around, they're fighting the big white wolf who gets let out, and he's really mad about all the centuries that he's been in there. William. He's got such a great name as William. <laughs> I mean, that does, that screams legacy. Victor Marcus William. <laughs> yeah. Celine locks Marcus in some room. She brings down, she uses her key to lock him somewhere so they can just beat on William for a little while. And then she throws bombs in the air. It blows a hole. The moonlight is shining down. And suddenly all of those men that she's with turn into creatures that attack her. So you tell me. I don't get it. No, you tell me. I don't know. Again, I find a lot of this action pretty incomprehensible. Yeah. Is it good enough? I feel like it's not as good as the stuff I was enjoying in the beginning. Or maybe the problem is when I really don't understand what's going on anymore, you can have good action and I won't care. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because, again, none of this is grabbing me. Like, there's a helicopter. I'm like, okay, someone's going in those blades. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot of creativity here. And, again, if something like the Matrix is your template, like, it revolutionized how action is done. And this is, it can't even be a credible copy. See, I actually liked the fact that the helicopter fell. Now, I have a problem with Marcus pulling it down because he has no leverage. He could be as strong as he wants to be, but without leverage, he's just going to be climbing that rope. He's not going to be pulling down a helicopter. But beyond my physics problem, I thought it was a really good helicopter crash. But the fact that the blades kept going, I'm like, yes. oh, that's atmospheric <laughs> and things. Oh, wait, somebody's going to go in them. That's got, I mean, that's the only reason you leave it open is somebody is going into those blades. That's how Marcus is going to die. Even more funny, it crashes sideways into that rotting bridge that like people were falling through. But somehow that bridge is still there with like a <laughs> helicopter sticking in it. I'm like, I don't know how that works. But kind of fun. Again, we're not asking logical questions when we get to see people go into blades and get chopped up. At the same time that we are told we only have UV rounds left and then they just keep shooting machine guns. Like, uh -huh. I really thought like you drop that line. We only have UV rounds. Like, that's how you're going to save the day. But nope, like never shoot a UV round in this film. 
Yeah, the guns are even less useful in this film than the last, but yet they're used even more. But because there is Michael still, and suddenly he's decided to revive. I'm not. Is there a significance that did he just need time to heal? I'm not sure. All of a sudden, he's he's leaping around again. Yeah, I think they thought he was dead, but then they even play an overlay of the audio from the last time. It's like, you could become something even stronger. You could become immortal. You could become unstoppable. And so just time is all he needed. Nothing can kill him. He is the new Alexander. He is the new immortal. Mm-hmm. And so, he, you know, you can use him to fight William while Celine can attack Marcus. You got vampire on vampire. And I don't know. Scott Speedman is supposed to be a hybrid, but I mostly think of him as a wolf. It's wolf on wolf and vampire on vampire here for an end. And he gets to tear off another jaw. So kind of fun. I would have thought it would take a little bit more than how they kill him. Tearing off a jaw to kill the first werewolf ever, an immortal, and just throwing another one right into a bunch of helicopter blades. Feels like it should have been a little bit more, but hey, it's action scenes, it's moving towards the end. I'm okay with it. Yeah, they don't have the money to be as big as we expect these kind of movies to be. Underworld is pretty small. In the scheme of things, this thing is a fraction of uh, a Marvel movie budget or anything that you would expect on, on the order of a summer blockbuster. Fair enough, but you could get a choreography crew. Like, cheap kung fu movies do it all the time. Like, again, maybe that's not the appeal, the action. To me, that's what I would assume is the appeal. Let's see vampires and lichens, like, kung fu each other to death. That sounds cool, but maybe... Like your roommate, that wasn't the appeal. They want to see people sit around in a castle. Well, these are made and written by stuntmen, though. So again, they had to be thinking about the stunts themselves when they wrote the scenes. I'm at a loss as to why they're not more gripping other than I just don't give two Fs about these characters. Any of them, really, if I'm honest. But I did like Marcus the best, and I'm sad he won't be in the sequel. Except the next one's a prequel. So maybe he'll come back. True. Good point. I I have not seen the third movie or any Underworld movie after this, so I have no idea what's next. I just know that Celine is talking out of both sides of her mouth. At one hand, she's like, sun is here and I'm feeling good, but she's convinced something is coming for her. I don't know who. Is anything still alive to get him? The blonde from the first movie. (laughs) Erica. Okay, (laughs) maybe. I'm not worried about Erica. Well, we will find out in the future because I know there are sequels. Until then, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Underworld Evolution? Jacob. The film that I really thought about as I was watching this, uh, that I thought was really comparable, was Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. And not just because (laughs) this film is a bunch of garbage Garbage day. day. (laughs) Yeah. No, but because, like, that first... Underworld film, like, you don't need to watch it, guys. It's it's not good. It's hard to understand. Just watch this. You'll get enough of that one in it. You get a lot of flashbacks. They streamline it. They retcon it to make it a little bit simpler. But that, that still doesn't make this recommendable, unfortunately. Yeah, it's slightly better because it's, it's slightly shorter, in my opinion. But yeah, you had Marcus, who was a cool-looking villain. But still, these are characters. They fail to make me care about them. It, it, Celine and Michael... Still not buying into their Romeo and Juliet love story. I'm still trying to find something to grasp onto in these films. Maybe they'll they'll crack that and figure it out. Again, everyone's a little bit more likable here. The action's a little bit better. Everything's a little bit better here. But it's still not worth the time. I not recommend. Stuart. 
I land in the exact same space. I'm not going to recommend this, but I definitely want to say, I think it's more than a little bit better. Like, it is a definite improvement. It went from being a shit show to being something that I thought about at times saying, oh yeah, I could I could recommend this. I enjoyed this scene. I enjoyed that moment. But the truth is, they've got to figure out a character. There has to be one that I truly want to follow, or it's just a music video montage. And maybe that's all Lynn Wiseman can do. He will be leaving this franchise, and maybe we'll get a filmmaker to step in and give me what I want. But what I got here was a sporadically entertaining bit of nonsense that wisely threw out the Romeo and Juliet stuff and stopped pretending this was a great love story and a tragic Shakespearean two houses destroying each other story still gets lost in the backstory. I do feel like a prequel is probably a way to go if they can finally cleanly tell us how vampires and werewolves began. That's still two movies in, something I don't quite get. But I do feel like a big improvement, a mostly innocuous time. I didn't hate much here. So, yeah, it's a mild not recommend. I don't need to know why vampires and werewolves fight. I don't need to know their history. I really don't need to go into the past and see that movie. You got the same philosophy as the vampires. Don't study history. And I never have. Look at my high school history class scores. (laughs) But I don't need to know that in order to have a good time watching animals punch each other. And yeah, this film improves upon the last one in every way. It's streamlined. It's sleeker. The cast is much smaller. I mean, there may be more people on screen. I know there's the one security guard that kept looking like he was going to say something and then never said a word. And like the moment he opened his mouth to speak, got shot. So that guy doesn't get his SAG card. But there may be more people on screen, but less of them matter, less of them speak. We're pretty slimmed down. Now, I'll be honest, I don't think I'm going to end up recommending any of these Underworld films. I don't know if I'll recommend any Twilights or not. I think they have a greater shot, honestly, because at least I know they started with writing and not started with stunting. But if they're just like this, at least I'm not going to be suffering through the series. It's a weak not recommend. Yeah, agreed. Like, it would be wrong to complain at the same ferocity that we did last time like i mean that that first movie they were stumbling in the dark and here they're starting to figure out what works for them what doesn't if that trend continues i could see myself eventually giving a pity green it will never be my thing (laughs) but if they can make something that is decently entertaining for 80 percent of the runtime i can be kind Ooh, that's a high bar 80 percent Yeah, 80% of the time, if I'm having a decent time, then I won't care that I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, that's the attitude. And we're getting lichens. I feel like this has been very vampire heavy. I feel like this Underworld series has been all about, you know, who's the elder leader of the vampire clan. Because vampires are, like, sexy and have cool clothes and lichens are dogs. Yeah. Well, yes, I agree. They have yet to explore the full potential of their lichens. The fact that we're getting a prequel to focus on them next week, that's probably the place to go. They need their own film. And so let's give it to them. I'm excited by the cast next time, though. You know, I may not need a prequel movie taking place, but we're bringing back Bill Nye. We're going to have Rays again. We're going to have Rona Mitra, who is an actress I really like. 
and Michael Sheen's going to be coming back as Lucian, who was one of the better parts of that first film. So I'm optimistic-ish going into the next one. That's a big word to use for this franchise, I feel. Optimistic-ish. <laughs> yeah. Couple, yeah. Couple more ishes on there. Yeah, I don't think you're really that optimistic, <laughs> but it might not suck. And that's the point. And yes, we are covering it next week. Instead of doing Lightyear, we are going to do the new Pixar Buzz Lightyear movie. But we it's summer. We wanted a vacation. We can't get to it. And so we'll do it the week after. We'll take a break from Underworld after we cover the third one. But if you do want a new movie with some crazy creatures running around, this Friday we do have Jurassic World Dominion to talk about. So if you donate for that show, you're going to hear us talk about what feels like the conclusion to the entire Jurassic franchise. All I want to know is, are they bringing back Velociraptor Girl? Who is that? that? From the fifth movie, the little girl with Velociraptor genes? I don't don't remember the fifth movie. Remember that one? Yeah, I literally, I know they ran around a house. Yeah, they ran around a house. Oh, oh, genes is in DNA. Okay, yes, now it's coming back. (laughs) Yes, well, we have dino-human hybrids in that one. Yes, please. (laughs) So, if you want to join us for Jurassic Park, It is at the amber level of our current donation drive, where you can hear us review all the Harry Potter films, Fantastic Beasts films, coming up soon the Twilight films, and Lord of the Rings films, and if you go for the Mach 2 level, also all the Tom Cruise 1980s films, including Top Gun and Top Gun 2, Maverick. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and until next time, my will is done regardless. My journey has now come full circle. Once an outcast, I am now one of three chosen elders, from hunted to the highest honor. But I no longer fear death, for I have known it once already. Thank you for listening to this now playing podcast movie review. We've been silenced, but otherwise unharmed as ordered. We hope you enjoyed the show. You've done exactly as I hoped and planned, if not more. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice. Why are you helping me? I'm not. I'm helping me. Want more reviews like this one? In the archive section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. There is no beginning. There is no end. There is only becoming. On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises, including the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men, James Bond, Middle-Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and Transformers. Enough to produce an endless supply of... Plus, we have individual movie reviews, such as Avatar, Titanic, E.T., Inception, Big Hero 6, Ready Player One, Pulp Fiction, Apocalypse Now, Doctor Strangelove, and hundreds more. Dead or alive, you will give me what I want! And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. Peace. My delicate peace. The puzzle will fall into place. 
Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. Yes, I have taken from him, but I have given so much more. You can donate directly by tapping the support button at nowplayingpodcast.com. I can assist you. Well, you already have. And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. It pains me to admit it, but for the first time in my life, I genuinely fear for our future. Need more Now Playing? Subscribe to our In Focus weekly newsletter for exclusive digital download giveaways, celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes insights, and more. Sign up through the subscribe page on our website and get it delivered to your inbox every Friday. I need you to deliver a message. Grunt if you understand. You can also compare notes with us on Letterboxd. Go to letterboxd.com forward slash now playing to see what our hosts are watching when we're not recording podcasts. And follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. The vampires didn't realize you were following a human, did they, Race? No. Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book Underrated Movies We Recommend. Arnie, Stuart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies you probably haven't seen. But you should. Find out why in Now Playing's first book of movie reviews. Do you not realize this is a gift I am giving you? The ebook is available now, and the audiobook and print book will be coming soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. My eyes see beyond the surface of so many things. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Without me, you'd have nothing. You'd be nothing. Associate produced by Jason Latham. There's no room for error with me. Now Playing is edited by Heath, Stephen, Santiago, and Arnie. I kept the secrets, cleaned up the mess. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I contact preventing him from making the change. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Venganza Media Incorporated. Why would I listen to your lies when the journey to the truth is so much sweeter? Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. These rules are in place for good reason and they are the only reason we have survived this long. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. We are getting reports on what appears to be a mass cleansing. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production copyright 2022 and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. We fought our greatest battle in our darkest hour. After centuries of war between vampire and lichen, this may at last be a time of peace.
Today we're discussing Underworld Evolutions, starring Kate Beck. Just starring. it's an evolution. Is it plural evolutions? Or no, that's it's what an I evolution. was trying to tell. I... <laughs> Picking up immediately where the last film left off, vampire Death Eater Celine is on the run with her half-vampire- Death dealer, half-vampire. not Death Eater. <laughs> Did that's I say Harry Death Potter Eater? Reference. Yeah. I actually wrote Death Dealer, so- <laughs> Harry Potter on the brain. So much better than these. <laughs> and I know you didn't like him, Stuart, but Michael Sheen is back too. Oh, okay. I didn't say anything about Michael Sheen. Oh, it was Craven you didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't ever put Michael Sheen on the same level as Craven. <laughs> uh-